As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Engadget podcast. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe, and joining me this week is guest co-host, Senior Editor Sam Rutherford. Hey, Sam, how's it going? Hey, how you doing? The Avengers out on his second round of paternity leave, so it'll be me and random Engadget team members hosting the Engadget podcast this month. It'll be a fun time. This week, we're here to talk about the OnePlus 10T, a phone that launched without his signature alert slider. Uh, Sam reviewed the phone uh, for us here at Engadget. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to talk about the other news that happened in tech this week. And they all just seem to be companies being kind of salty at other companies. Uh, And we're going to figure out why that is or not. Uh, So if you're enjoying the show, as always, please subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher. Leave us a review on iTunes and send us your thoughts at podcastandengadget.com. We also live stream the recording of this podcast every Thursday morning at about 10 a.m. Eastern on the Engadget YouTube channel. And we can interact with y'all in real time. So it's usually very fun. Come and join us on the Engadget YouTube channel then. So this week, Sam, your review of the OnePlus 10T uh, went live, I think, what was on August 3rd? That was the day OnePlus announced it as well. Uh, what I mean, tell me about this phone. I haven't touched it at all, even though I was at an event with the phone there. I just refused to touch it. What's, what's this phone about? <laughs> I, like, I like how you go to events and you're like, no, nah, nah. I, I don't got time. I stay away from the product right, experience but- area. <laughs> Yeah, so so anyways, so the OnePlus 10T, this is the follow-up sort of to the OnePlus 10 Pro, which came out earlier this year, and it's more of like, you know, OnePlus's, it, it's, you know, it's got a mid-range price, it starts at $649 or $749 if you want the 16 gigs of RAM, 256 gig storage option, um, but it's kind of interesting because it's actually faster than the OnePlus 10 Pro because it has a Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1 chip, and it has... Um, uh, OnePlus's new 150-watt SuperVOOC charging system, which is something they had promised earlier this year, and they finally delivered, and it's really, really fast. It's like it goes from 1% battery to 60 in, in 10 minutes. Oh, wow. Which is just, like, kind of crazy. Of course, you know, the, the caveat to that is that it only works with that one single phone, and you need to have OnePlus's included brick. You know, hey, you, you get a brick, that's nice. Um, so you have to use OnePlus's, uh, OnePlus's included brick and that cable, um, and then even if you're charging like a laptop that could theoretically use like 100 watts of power, that doesn't work either because USB PD charging is capped at 45 watts. So, you know, we have this phone and it's it's super fast. The charging is super fast. Battery life is great. And then you look at it and it's like, well, there's some they, they, they made a lot of sacrifices to get that speed. So, you know, the, the, the title of the review is speed above all, all else. And it's like. You know, they took the alert slider off of the phone, which is something that has been on pretty much every OnePlus phone since the OnePlus 2, which came out in 2015. So that's like a really weird departure. And then you don't get wireless charging. They've taken a back step on water resistance. It's IP54, which is like, you know, good for a splash or two. And that's like, you know, the OnePlus 9 last year. Um, it had IP68 water resistance. It was official for like the uh, T-Mobile carrier versions, but it was kind of unofficially IP68 for just like the unlocked versions. So, you know, it's really weird to see like, oh, we're going to go really hard on speed, but then kind of pull back on like well-rounded features. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just, it it seems like a really weird position for them. Do you think, so as I'm hearing all of these like sacrifices they made in exchange for like speed and, and specifically it sounds like wireless uh, charging speed, right? So they took away wireless charging and then they dropped the IP rating. I mean, h- has that got to do with the, the charging speeds? Like, the, is it like a safety issue? Is it like a battery might explode issue? 
Yeah, they, they said that the reason why the alert slider is not on the phone is because there's more antennas inside the phone. So you get like, you know, better, you know, a Wi-Fi, Bluetooth connectivity. And then there's um, a large battery and the charging system itself takes up more space. So they couldn't find room for the alert slider, which seems weird because the slider is really just like a switch on the side of the phone. But, you know, I, I'm, I haven't ripped open the phone to really see how much, you know, excess room is in there. Um, but e- even so, it's like... And OnePlus has already said the alert slider will come back on future devices. So it's really weird. You have like, you know, almost like nine years of of phones with a slider. You have this one that doesn't have it. And then they're going to go back to it again. It's like, I think to me, this is kind of really um, like a big sign that OnePlus um, is really in a state of transition from like the old OnePlus. And I wrote a, I wrote a story about this earlier this year, and I'm kind of getting validated in a little way, um, just like, you know, with OnePlus's recent actions is that, you know, they're in this transition where it was you used to be OnePlus and, you know, they worked together with Oppo, mm. but now they are mm. fully one company. Mm. And so you're seeing that, like, you know, they're transitioning over to, you know, Oxygen OS, the new version, which is based on Oppo's Color OS instead of being, you know, solely, dri- uh, solely developed by OnePlus itself. And so there's, like, you know, a lot of that, like, corporate synergy going on, which I guess is, like, you know, good on the business side because it helps keep costs down and stuff like that. But it's also, like, you know, a really interesting time of change for people who are used to, you know, the OnePlus phones of old because you can see that, like, the direction of that company and the devices that's really starting to change. I want to I wanna get back to that Color OS thing in a little bit because I'm curious how you felt about the software in general. That And I completely forgot about that, like, merger with Oppo or or, like, not I don't know if it merger is the right word, but like yeah, just joining yeah, back yeah. with with Oppo. But I, I also wanted to say the the fact that the alert slider that OnePlus has said that that's coming back in the future iterations was that something they said to you already like before the launch, or was it something they said in reaction? Yeah, they, they've they, they've uh, provided an official statement saying why it's not on the OnePlus 10T. You know, like because like basically there wasn't enough space, and then they also you know tried to get out in front of, you know, any potential, I guess, bad, press, you know, right. bad, bad press or whatever, saying that, hey, it's not going away forever. We will, we are planning on bringing it back. We're not axing it for good. Like, you know, like getting rid of the headphone jack right. like, or something like that. Because I saw, I saw like on Twitter, people from the, from the event itself were reporting from it. And they were saying that like OnePlus said, oh yeah, we heard y'all, you know, we always rely on our fans to keep us real and grounded. And I, I thought it was maybe a response to fan feedback that they were like, oh no. But also I want to bring up a point, which is that how important is this alert slider first of all like why are people up in arms about it going away what does it like it just i know what it does but can you spell it yeah. out for our, our viewers i mean i mean nice? so that's a fair point i mean like and and like so someone in one of the comments on the reviews made made made, made a, like a fair point saying that like the alert slider was basically like stealing a feature from the iphone back in the day when it has because it all it is is a switch on the side of the phone that you can either you know silence your phone or you know turn on the volume with a like a physical switch instead of like having to like mess around with the on-screen like volume menu. Yeah. Um and so, you know, it is a pretty simple thing, but I think for me and a lot of other people, it's like that's one of the things that had become part of OnePlus's identity. And like, you know, for me, like and, and maybe you too, it's like when I'm when I'm reviewing a device, you can look at the specs and you can look at the design and all that stuff too. But I think there's also like a tiny piece where you want to see some sort of like personality. You want to yeah. see some sort of emotion from the device. Right. Um, and, and that was one of the few things like, you know, there aren't any other really Android phones that have a mute slider. So it's like if you are, you know, if you're an Android person and you want a phone with like a dedicated physical uh, mute switch, you know, OnePlus was one of your few choices. Yeah, I, I enjoy the feature on the iPhone that I use. I mean, for people who don't already know, based on listening to this podcast for a bit, uh, I mean both an iPhone and a Pixel, right? And my Pixel is just always on silent because it pisses me off when I get to, I get a shit ton of notifications and it's just noisy all day. So I leave it on silent. And with my iPhone, at the very least, like when I know that I'm, you know, on the lookout for something, I can switch that on. And then when I, you know, want to focus on my work, I can just turn it off. It's very easy to do that. Um, so I do appreciate having the slider there. Yes, it's not like a make or break feature, but it was definitely... Yeah, it's, it's not a deal breaker. Yeah, it was definitely one of the nicer things that like, you know, set OnePlus out uh, or apart from everyone else. Uh, we talked about color OS slash oxygen OS and becoming more similar. Uh, I want to hear what you thought about that before we move on to like other parts of the phone, like the camera experience. And stuff yeah, like for that. sure. Yeah. Um, and, and so 
this year, um, OnePlus has kind of been transitioning to like the new version of Oxo- Oxygen OS, which is based on Color OS. And so that started with the, the OnePlus 10 Pro. I didn't review that one. Um, but, you know, it's also continuing on the OnePlus 10T. And it's it's weird because it's like, it kind of looks like Oxygen OS and it kind of feels like Oxygen OS. And then you'll do something and you'll just be like, oh, that that doesn't respond like the way I thought it would. Like even small stuff, it's like, it seems it like, it really feels like they need to work on some of the polish of Oxygen OS. Because like, for example, you know, I was trying to transfer photos from the phone to my PC to like look at it on a big monitor. And I just plugged it in USB and I just didn't get a pop-up saying, you know, that traditional Android pop-up is like, hey, do you want to, you know, switch to file transfer right. mode instead of just like charging. pure charging? And I, I couldn't do that at all. I had to go into the developer options and manually force it to go into file transfer mode and that's like that's not something that people know how to do because you have to go in the settings tap like about you know about uh, the system like seven times and then you have to go into the actual developer settings menu um, and then other things like there's a new OnePlus shelf uh, if you swipe down from the very right side on the phone and it's kind of like the iPhone's control panel but it also like holds a bunch of widgets and stuff and it's just like you know, I, I, a, lot, a lot of times I would swipe down just to open my notifications and the shelf would pop. It's like, no, that's not what I want. And then, you know, even just like the sound effects and like some of the like UI design and even like the wallpaper, like for, for I don't know if a lot of people knew this, those wallpapers the, that would come on the OnePlus phone, they were OnePlus like licensed a lot. I think they hired an artist in, in Europe somewhere and they would, he would custom make those uh, wallpapers for OnePlus. And then the new wallpaper just, it kind of just looks a little generic. And I don't think it's the same person doing it anymore either. So you have like all these little things. It's like kind of signals to you that like, you know, there, there's, there's some shifting going on and, you know, for for better or worse, but it, it is a little jarring yeah. for one one uh, longtime OnePlus users. I was going to say because like one of the nice things about OnePlus was always that this was even back in the day when Samsung had like heavy touch whiz stuff, right? Like the thing about OnePlus was that their version of Android was always pretty clean. It was fairly like close to stock, except for the useful little shortcuts that they had. Um, is Color OS slash the the current Oxygen OS? Does it feel like it just has too much different from stock Android? I think it's. You're starting to see a little of that like feature creep, feature bloat, where like, you know, I think some people might find some of these features useful, but like you said, if, you know, if you like that really like really uh, clean, stripped down minimalist, you know, approach to Android, it seems like OnePlus is starting to get away from that a little bit. Um, And it's hard to say if that will continue a lot. I know in their presentation, like people were kind of like memeing on them because they spent like... 10 minutes talking about the different shades of blue and orange and stuff and like the the meaning of water and how oh that applies God. to fluidity for like Oxygen OS 13, which is, you know, based on Android 13 and it's going to come later this year, first on the OnePlus 10 Pro, and then they're going to, you know, move it over to some of the other devices like the 10T. Um, but it's just like, oh, okay, we, we get it. Like you want to like, you know, beef up your version of Android, but... I'm not sure that's what everybody wants, especially once again, you know, those longtime OnePlus users. Yeah. I want to take a moment here to just, you know, do a PSA for phone makers and companies. Hey, if you have to spend more than five minutes talking about colors during your presentation, or if you have to issue a full like press release talking about Bora Purple mm-hmm. and how it embodies mystery and <laughs> unfolds your world. I don't know what else you want to put in there. Or if you're like Huawei and had to tell me all about how this year's Pantone color is Serenity Green. I, just, I remember that. I, just, I remember that it was like, this was like four or five years ago. Yeah. Huawei was like, the Pantone color of the year is some like light green. And then bef- the year before that, it was coral. And it's like, you know, I'm sure there's like a graphic designer out there who's like getting really excited about this, but I like I think people are like, "Oh, that's a cool color," and then they're going to move on, or they're like, "Oh, I don't like it," and then they're going to move on. Like I don't mind talking about colors, but it doesn't justify like a more than 5-minute conversation. Like while we went on for a whole hour almost. And probably probably not during like a big keynote and you're spending 5, 10 plus minutes on yeah. it. It's like yeah. You know, it's, it, it just, you know, it messes up the flow. People kind of drop off after a while. I don't know. But uh, if you're if you're listening or watching this to this podcast, uh, please send me a, a long thousand word essay about your favorite color and why it's your favorite color. I love it. Um, moving on, <laughs> the OnePlus 10T, the last thing I am curious about um, before I ask you about what your favorite things were uh, is the cameras. I mean, my one of my biggest like things I judge a phone on are its cameras. So well, how did the yep. 10T do? Um. 
surprisingly good. So, and, and one other departure from the 10 Pro is that on the 10T, uh, OnePlus made a big deal about, oh, we're getting Hasselblad to come in and like help us improve our photography, which that's what they did for the 10 Pro. Right. But on the 10T, Hasselblad is not involved in any way. There's no like any of those like special like color accuracy features or anything like that. So you just get um, a 50 megapixel main camera. Um, an ultra wide and a macro camera instead of a telephoto, which I'm n- really not happy about. It's a two megapixel macro camera. And so the resolution is really low. The focus is like kind of, you know, uh, this kind of is uh, an issue with a lot of macro cameras, where like the focus is like really hard to nail because autofocus on macro cameras is just really hard to do. And when you're doing like a mid range device, a lot of times companies kind of cut corners on that stuff. And it seems like that's kind of what they did uh, on the 10T. So I I've, personally, I found that the macro camera isn't really all that useful because you can get better results just using the main camera mm-hmm. and then cropping in if you need to get closer. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, like, you know, general, like, you know, bright light stuff, the main camera was was great. It's not quite as good as a Pixel. And, you know, I compared it to the Pixel 6a, which is actually a slightly cheaper phone. And I thought and found that the Pixel 6a did better pretty much across the board, but the 10T wasn't that far behind. Um, obviously, some there's some big differences. Low light photography was not quite as good as the Pixel, but you know we kind of know that Google's Night Sight is you know one of the best in the business. Yeah. What's uh? I mean, we talk about the price a little bit, right? Like 649 for the 10T versus say like what was it 449 for the Pixel 6a? What's your main like? take away in terms of that like what do you get for the money on with the 10t and is it worth it yeah and, and so this really comes back to like the, the the whole idea behind the phone it's like you know it really seems like oneplus wanted to make a phone as fast as they could and in in a lot of ways the 10t really is the fastest android phone for the money at that price range because you're getting that snapdragon 8 plus gen 1 chip super fast charging um you even get like a new um uh 120 hertz display with an adaptive refresh rate. So it can go from 120 hertz to 90 hertz to 60 hertz, depending on the content. And that's really, really nice. Um, and so if you're that one of those, like, um, you know, uh, phone nerds who really loves, like, I need the best performance. I need the fastest charging. You know, there there is something to the 10T's kind of formula. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, at the same time, it's like, you know, to me, um, it's not really as well-rounded um, of a phone as compared to something like even the the Pixel 6a, um, or or especially the the standard Pixel 6, which does have wireless charging and all that stuff. And then you know what makes it even more complicated is that at the same time they released uh, the 10T, they also did a permanent price reduction on the OnePlus 10 Pro. So it's going from 899 now to 799, and so it's like. Man, it's you're kind of splitting hairs at a certain point. Yeah, it's one hundred fifty dollars extra, um, but you are you know the base ten T has only has eight gigs of RAM, and so you know if you're going to spend a little bit more for that, you know sixteen gigs of RAM ten T, suddenly you're like, hmm, do do is it worth it to spend just a little bit more to just get the ten Pro and you get way better cameras, you get a telephoto, wireless charging, you know all of that, mm-hmm. and so that's. That's where it gets really tricky, um, and you know, like I said before, it doesn't really have the, quite the same level of the mass appeal as some of the other like real flagship phones, like the 10 Pro, or even you know stuff like the S22 and you know the iPhone 13. I find I find OnePlus's strategy confusing, right? I think that like, and you've brought that up. I, I think that the price reduction in general is a good thing, right? It's nice to like that they're able to you know push over uh, cost savings over to consumers, but yeah, you do get just so much more with the 10 pro also the features that we said were gone from the 10t right like wireless charging the alert slider a lower ip rating we're expecting them to come back on whenever the 10t pro does get launched so it feels like they were like this is the oneplus fan that was looking at the 10t i have no idea if if they're gonna want to even buy this because like you're you're really sandwiched in a really interesting place i do want to point out that before on the live stream of our, our recording of this podcast, one of our viewers did make a very, very funny comment. Uh, Buddy305Love said, uh, this phone should have been named the OnePlus 10Y, as in why is it even being released? There's just some other just kind of like weird like choices. Um, we didn't talk, I didn't, haven't talked about the back of the phone yet, which, 
you know, there's two colors. There's the jade one, which has like, you know, it's Gorilla Glass 5 in the back and it's just, you know, normal, normal phone construction. But on the Moonstone Black unit, which is the one I reviewed, they did like this new like textured back that like kind of sparkles in the sunlight. But at the same time, the texture also covers up that glass. So it feels more plasticky. And, you know, I, in the review, I said it kind of feels like it came out of a, like a consumer level, like cheaper 3D printer. And that's just like kind of just like a weird choice because it's not like the old school sandstone, oh, like sandpaper feel of the that. original One Pluses, which like some people still really love. And it's also not like any of the more recent stuff or even like the concept stuff, like the, the One Plus Concept One, which had like a leather back, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, and so it's just, you know, I, I think... OnePlus is trying to figure out who they want to be as they attempt to like become like a real global player on the smartphone field. And then one other kind of like weird wrinkle is that currently um, OnePlus has not told us carrier compatibility for the phone, at least in the U.S., um, and so the phone doesn't come out in the U.S. until uh, late September. There are going to be some pre-sales, uh, you know, in August for people who like really want to get like early access uh, purchases to the phone. But it's just like, you know, after years of working with T-Mobile, it's like they had, you know, there was a lot of people on T-Mobile who was like, that's how they got exposed to OnePlus. Right. And then to kind of go back and have this like ambiguity on like carrier support and if it, if, if it will even be available in carrier stores or if it's like going to be an unlocked only thing. It's just, it's a weird kind of business move, I think. I mean, I also, one of the things I saw on Twitter uh, around this coverage is the people in the UK were like, oh my gosh, OnePlus changed the price at the last minute. They dropped it, you know, to, I forget the UK price. Did anything like that happen to you um, on the US side for pricing? Um, no, it, it, it was pretty consistent, pretty consistent all along. It's like starts at 649 749 for the... Um, you know, higher spec version. So at least they, you know, I think they, they they very clearly had like a price in mind because they probably didn't want to cannibalize sales of the 10 Pro too much. So they're like, oh, we have to put it like a, at least like $150, $100 gap between the 10T and the 10 Pro. Okay, gotcha. Because I was like, oh, if they're like changing the price last, last minute, there is, you know, there's something else up there. So uh, yeah, no, we, n- nothing, nothing really in that nature. Anything else you want to make sure people know about the OnePlus 10T? Yes, one small thing is that because the the SuperVOOC charging brick, um, it doesn't fully support 110 volt or 120 volt outlets, which is the standard outlet for the US. So you actually don't get full 150 watt charging. It's 125 watt charging in the US. And so, you know, the, the speeds that I got, even from like the 125 watt, not 150, are still super fast. However, if you're in Europe uh, or India, you will get that full 150 watt charging. And also, uh, even though it says 160 watt on the brick itself, that's not actually the case. It's 150 watt charging. <laughs> okay, so they misprinted uh, it's their just, brick. It's just like, I don't know if it's like a marketing thing or just like some weird like um, specificity thing. But as, as far as I know, it's 150 watts is the max charging speed. And maybe that'll change like, you know, with future phones that can, you know, get a little bit more juice out of it. But as of right now, it's 150 watts max uh, on the 10T in Europe and India, and then 125 watts in the US. I also want to say, if you have ordered it, um, hit me up in like six months, because one of the big things is like, uh, people were really worried about how that charging speed will affect the battery. And OnePlus said that like, they installed a bunch of temperature sensors to make sure the phone doesn't overheat. But it also has this like, healing battery technology so that even after 1,600 charging cycles, the battery should at least have 80% battery health. Um, obviously, that's not something I can test in a week and a half. Um, you know, there's only so many times I can charge a phone. You know, in that time. So, hey, you know, anyone who buys that phone, hit us up after a year or so and let us know how your battery health is doing. I'm, I'm ver- I'll be very curious to see, you know, what that degradation actually is uh, in the real world. Well, you know, listening to that charging speed scares me a little bit, but I I also know that a lot of uh, people in our YouTube live chat, or a couple of people at least, were like, I already ordered mine. I'm very excited for this. So if you, you know, tell us how you feel about the OnePlus 10T, if you're a hardcore fan, if or if you're just watching ambivalently from the sidelines, send us your thoughts at podcast.engadget.com. All right, so in other news this week, as I mentioned, it's been, it's been it's been kind of a salty, shady week in terms of tech. But let's start it off with a more straightforward 
piece of news. Okay, Logitech and Tencent announced that they are making a cloud gaming handheld. Was it? Is this kind of like the Steam Deck, Sam? What's what's this about? Not quite like the Steam Deck because they're, they're you know calling out that they're going for cloud gaming is a kind of departure because uh you know obviously Steam Deck runs Steam OS so you can play games you know uh, locally on the device. That said, the Steam Deck is also a good cloud gaming device because you can use like the Steam in-home streaming um, to like stream from your PC, and then you can actually you know it's not fully supported, but you can play like Xbox uh, you know game, game cloud pass. on there okay. as well. Um, but it, this is this is an interesting thing because like you know the move to people I think people are, are have been waiting to see like is cloud gaming really going to take off? I think Xbox is like been the most successful because they're able to package it with Game Pass and then you can like you know have that bundle where you can like play a whole bunch of games and then if you want to do the cloud thing you can. But you know there's been a handful of companies who have been rumored or announced to be working on a cloud gaming handset. And so there aren't a lot of details about this Tencent Logitech thing yet. But, you know, uh, Qualcomm was rumored to be making uh, a cloud gaming handset of some si- some sort. And they announced like a dedicated like handheld gaming console uh, platform, a chip platform to kind of power these devices. And then there was a leak uh, a while back, like a year, a year and a half ago, where uh, Lenovo was rumored to be making a uh, like a portable handheld console thing. It's not, it was I don't think it was it, I don't think it was entirely clear if it was purely cloud gaming or if it had some local gaming capability. But it's like you know people have been dancing around this cloud gaming thing for a while. So to see like Logitech and Tencent be like, okay, here we're planting a flag. We're gonna make this. You know we don't know when it's gonna be available yet, but you know I think that's interesting. And then. You know, I, I think people are still kind of unsure about cloud gaming. But if you look at like the market itself, you know, everything has gone to cloud services. Everyone uses, you know, either Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. And then, you know, for for video, it's like obviously there's like Netflix, you yep. know, Disney Plus, the whole the whole gamut. Yep. Um, and so like cloud gaming seems like that kind of last frontier, but it's still relatively new. And I think people aren't entirely sure what to make of it. And, you know, even for people who like do cloud gaming on their phone, to me, that's not my ideal way of playing because I want that physical control. And so you, know, you can get an adapter like or, a, you know, a controller add on for your phone. But I think some people would really just like having like a dedicated gaming device, even if it is gaming from the cloud. I, I feel like we're in that stage where, you know, with with streaming services a while ago, where it was like, oh, when you're on the go, it used to be like they had to really push and be like, oh, you can stream Hulu on the you know bus back home or something. And and it used to be just kind of impossible. You would have to wait and stop for the buffering and stuff like that. But we're now approaching and we're now able to just stream video literally everywhere we go. Like from YouTube, there's no need to wait for buffering speeds anymore. Um, so I feel like maybe we're at that point where we're kind of also waiting because games are also a lot more data intensive and just bigger file transfers. Um, and lag is so much more of an issue when you're playing games than it is like watching a show. So you're right. I think that the state of cloud gaming right now seems like it's not in its infancy, but it's kind of facing like maybe entering growing pains. I don't know. Uh, I do want to point out growing pains. And I think they're still trying to figure out like, what are the like real, really, really advantages to cloud gaming compared to, um, you know, your standard console gaming or PC gaming or whatever? And it's not quite as like a, you know, cut and dry like this thing is way better at this thing. Right. Um, but you know, we'll see. I uh, and also when you were talking about the Lenovo handheld and the Qualcomm uh, platform thing, I was just thinking: Is it possible that Logitech and Tencent are going to tap this Qualcomm platform for their device? Like, I feel like Qualcomm tends to partner out with people when they make things. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they partner with Qualcomm to find a chip maker because you know Logitech doesn't make chips, Tencent doesn't really make chips, um, and so they're they're going to have to need to find some partner. And I don't know if like. I, I would I'd be very surprised if they go the x86 route and try to do like an Intel or an AMD processor. Right. That's that's definitely an option. But that, you know, it, once you cross over to the x86, you're kind of, you know, gearing yourself more towards like traditional PC gaming. Um, and so it, I think it makes more sense for them to do, yeah. you know, an ARM-based chip um, for a handhold cloud gaming console. I agree with you, but it seems like they're what? They they, they have confirmed, it looks like they're working with NVIDIA GeForce now on the device, and I don't know how compatible that is with ARM. 
Um, uh, there, there's, you know, there's GeForce Now apps. Um, you know, I think that's less of an issue. You know, Xbox has their dedicated Android app. Um, and so I, I don't think that would be a, a, a real barrier in terms of like platform versus chip compatibility. Gotcha. And I, I also want to be clear about like when Qualcomm made that like handheld thing. For me, at any time Qualcomm makes a device, it's always like a reference design. It's never like an actual thing they make to sell. So right. I don't, yeah. And er- earlier this year, Qualcomm partnered with Razer to make um, that that kind of like uh, concept. Not not it's a concept. It's kind of like a dev kit, mm-hmm. so that they could explore more on like, oh, how do we need to change the form factor? How do we need to change the performance profile? Things of that nature. Um, and so th- th- you know, there's definitely. Uh, a number of companies kind of working on something in this space. Yeah, because remember Alienware also showed off like a prototype handheld thing like what, a couple CESs ago or something like that. So we're, you're right. You're right. We're like picking up steam in the industry, but I'm just not sure we're all ready yet. But for people who are fans or excited for cloud gaming, it sounds like stuff is coming. Uh, Sam, hey, do you find it kind of weird that like at some point this week, Uber receipts were just like not, they're just not working on Microsoft's Outlook? <laughs> this is just one of those stories that like doesn't make sense it's like why would this ever be an issue um and so i'm just kind of like mind boggled in that respect yeah yeah i look i i uh so what was happening is that uh a report from bleeping computer is that microsoft has identified a formatting bug that would freeze outlook whenever you open some messages with complex tables and these include uber receipts uh that glitch will also crash word uh not just outlook and it's it's a like a recent standard release introduced this bug i think to the system there's apparently a fix that will already reach uh, that will reach beta users shortly and it will reach everyone august 9th through a patch um but yeah if you're if you're opening up an uber receipt in outlook or word goodbye the rest of your workday i mean not the rest of your workday but you know it's a if you needed a toilet break Open an Uber receipt. Just like do your expenses for a second. It's uh, it's fun. But you know, apparently no other. Yeah. And I, I think the like, the sad part about it is like for people who are using like Uber for work, you know, a lot of times like your company has like you either go with like G Suite or like Outlook, and so you might be forced to use Outlook for your work emails. And then it's like, oh, I have to file my expenses, and then suddenly, oh, oh. M- why is everything breaking? <laughs> and then like. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like such a weird error. It's oh. like, all right, fine. Uh, from now until August 9th, you cannot file your Uber expenses if your company uses Outlook. So, hey, take that excuse and run with it. Um, I mean, that was just like a funny bug. But we also saw this week Spotify uh, say they're they're bringing up or they're, they're about to launch a new feature for premium users. And it is a play button. Do you use Spotify, Sam? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a big Spotify okay. user. So let me explain um, this to you. Do you do you know what's up? Yeah, here? Okay. please, because this is like, <laughs> wait, how how is this feature not hasn't been in there forever? Yeah, I was also confused because I am a Spotify premium user. I was like, what are you talking about, play button? And then I realized that I forgot. Like in some playlists, and I noticed this in my own experience is that like playlists that I make and I've created and compiled myself, um, you have a play button that defaults to shuffle. So like when you hit that play button. It will play all the tracks in that playlist, but in shuffle order. And then in some other playlists, typically those not created by me, very often created by Spotify themselves, it's just a standard play button at the top of the playlist. Um, so when you hit play, it plays in order. But it's not like, so in the playlist where the play button was a shuffle by default, it's not like you could not play the tracks in order, but you had to hit Right, like, you just didn't have the control of like choosing between standard play and shuffle. Right, at least not from that one obvious shortcut. You had to like just tap the first song on the list and then it would play in order that way, right? Um, I love the shuffle play button. I always only play the shuffle play button, but it's funny that like Spotify, I guess, was like, oh, maybe we should not make that like a force feature. Maybe, yeah, you yeah. know, and I, I just, I I mean, I also just enjoy that our team has been having fun with the like headlines this week because this was a very fun Also, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I saw Adele is like somehow mixed up in all of this too. Yeah, so a lot of artists when they release new albums and like Beyonce just dropped a whole new album, right? And, and the trend nowadays is that the album, the, the individual tracks on each album just kind of blend seamlessly into the next, right? So you have the ending of one song and 
And um, Adele, Adele also probably crafted her album, her discography, just to go and tell a story, right? And so I think Adele was very vocal about the shuffle play button uh, a while ago. So this was probably part of what triggered um, Spotify's shift here. I don't think any users were necessarily clamoring yeah. for this. And, and I can I can respect that approach because as an artist, like you know, if you have created an album that's meant to be listened from beginning to end, you know, it's like kind of the, you know that concept album where you're telling a story or you're telling like you know a saga. Um, you really want people to experience it the way you know it was intended. At the same time, it's just like, was it really that hard to just have two options? Like, <laughs> um, that, I guess that's that's the kind of thing that I don't get. But and I'm, I'm looking, sure. I'm looking at the new design uh, for the for the Spotify play button. So you've got the uh, typical green play button at the top of the playlist at the top right now. And usually, if it's the shuffle play button, it's just it has the play button and the shuffle symbol at the bottom of the play button, sort of overlaid on top of it. Now the new design will have two options at the top: the green play button, and then it's sort of gray with no circle around it, shuffle icon next to the play button. So you st- you have two options from now on, which actually... So, so like every other music player yeah. in existence. <laughs> so you don't have to go toggle shuffle on and off if you want to play them in shuffle order either. And you're playing like a different, you know, uh, playlist that doesn't offer that option. Uh, so this was an artist push thing, I think, but it functionally just makes a lot more sense. And it's kind of a, duh, Spotify? Like, what's up, man? Like, yeah, so... Anywho, uh, just one of many, many, many things we're going to cover this week that don't seem to really uh, make sense. But we were talking about how Spotify's feature was maybe driven by artists. But I hear Sony is doing something because its users are being crap. What's happening, Sam? Yeah. Um, So Sony is retiring the PlayStation 5's Accolade feature, which is something that, you know, users could use to, like, kind of give like a thumbs up or like, you know, give like a, you know, like, like a good job to like other people that they're playing with. But they're pulling it because, and this is going to, going to be not a surprise to anyone who's ever played online games, <laughs> but people are just really mean online. They're salty and they're just like, <laughs> weren't using it right. And so that, that feature is going away. And it also just wasn't very popular in general. Um, and so I, they're, they're pulling the feature. I don't think anyone's going to miss it, but it's just kind of funny this like, this is why we can't have nice things because people are mean. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. Like I, I, I am afraid of playing online games because I'm afraid of people and it's, yeah, it's, it's nice to see that. My- I'm I feel, I feel like you, I feel like you would go in there and be like, you just bring the toxicity way up. It's Whoa. like, you, know, you, <laughs> you just start yelling at people. It's like, you, uh, you, 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 you got me killed. What, what the hell? What? And, and then you start flaming people. I don't know. Maybe only to my friends. That's like, it's like, I'm, Pretty fake nice fair, to uh, fair. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, you keep it, you keep it friendly in all chat, but then you're like behind the monitor, you're just like screaming <laughs> yes. obscenities. This is why I need to start a Twitch gaming stream. But anyway, speaking of gaming, uh, Microsoft wasn't very nice either to Blizzard, right? What was happening there, Sam? I mean, this is just like weird corporate shade yeah. throwing, yeah. I guess. And it's like, so basically, you know, Microsoft has said that they're going to buy Activision Blizzard. And then as part of, like, this merger process, Microsoft has come out recently saying that, like, uh, Activision Blizzard doesn't have any notable games or games that, like, people need to play, which is just, like, an insane thing to say. It's not not even, like, counting Activision and Call of Duty, but, like, Blizzard is one of, like, the, uh, I mean, up until recently and, like, this after, uh, you know, prior to all the scandals and stuff, like, is one of the one of the most beloved major developers of all time. You know, StarCraft, Warcraft, Diablo, you know, those are, like, tentpole games for, like, an entire, like, saga era of, of gaming. And it's just, like, I, I think, you know, this is, to me, this is, like, a lot of corporate maneuvering, right? Where, like, I think they're trying to make it look better. They're trying to, like make it seem that like, you know, for any um, regulators that like, oh, this they don't want to like touch like the antitrust or like the monopoly. They don't want to ring that bell and start having people taking like an extra deep look at right. what this merger could actually mean. Right. And I, I think that's really like the the big like point behind it. But it's like when you look at it, just like this is this sounds doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Like, why would you? Talk crap about a company you're trying to buy, right? Like I was like, all right, uh. right, and, and and just like talk crap about their entire portfolio of games, which for the most part has been incredibly, incredibly beloved and respected and popular. Yeah, so it's so funny that like 
Oh man, it's like you're trying to. I, I thought they were just trying to devalue the the you know company, and and so they could get it for cheaper. But I guess that's not the case. Um, and there was some more gaming, like funny gaming stuff recently. Like I remember seeing, I think it was over the weekend that people were like saying that, oh my gosh, Stadia is shutting down. Uh, but then we had to come out and like Google had to come out and be like, no, it's not. We're still working on Stadia. Uh, Sam, what do you do? You know what actually happened? Like what was going on here? Basically, there were some rumors and leaks saying that Stadia might shut down. There wasn't any like specific timeline. And that kind of got the Stadia fan base uh, up in a tizzy. And this is like, I think a lot of this happened on Reddit where it's like, oh my God, I love Stadia. Don't shut it down. And I think the reason why this is really funny is that because, you know, Google's history of just axing stuff uh, or, or axing projects willy nilly kind of like you know they had to like i guess get out in front of it and be like no we're not shutting stadia down they're trying to like calm everybody down but it's just funny because like you know it's it's unclear how successful stadia is in general and like you know that we don't we don't get like specific stadia only breakouts in like the earnings reports or anything like that right and so it's like hard to tell like how it's doing compared to like you know nvidia geforce now or xbox cloud gaming and it's like but it's like it, it's google they could cut it down there's like you know, there's that there's that website killed by Google or whatever, and it's like it's like is Stadia just like the next one on that list? And it's like okay, no, not yet, or at least not yet. It's still to be you know kind of be seen how Stadia is going to develop in the future. Because I know a lot of people were like, we haven't been getting as many new games added to Stadia, and like there hasn't been as much news and development and talk about it. And so I think that was also worrying people a little bit too. I mean, we we're just talking about cloud gaming, right? And maybe Stadia was just too early to the game. Maybe it's just like ahead of the pack and in such a way that like the demand just wasn't enough yet. Um, so it's a, what happened this weekend too, was that like, there was apparently like a, a fan that was very concerned about Stadia shutting down. And so Google had to like, tweet back and say Stadia is not shutting down through the Stadia <laughs> official Stadia Twitter account uh, and it said rest assured we're always working on bringing more great games to the platform and Stadia Pro I am just honestly surprised not to throw more salt into this salty week but I'm just surprised there's people who love Stadia people use Stadia I, I mean I like I have one of like the original founders edition Stadia controllers so like I was like very excited for it and then like as I got to use it more it's like I, obviously, like, I'm in a weird situation because I have, like, all the consoles and I have a p gaming PC and stuff like that. So, like, the idea of just, like, a pure cloud gaming, like, app isn't as attractive for me as it might be for someone who, like, only has, like, one console or, like, you know, they only have, like, a ultra-portable laptop that can't play, like, the most intense games. Um, so, it, it's kind of interesting uh, on that way, enough. but, you know... Also, like, I don't remember when we back in the way they first announced Stadia, people were like, yo, what is Stadia? What is this name? And it's, like, very confusing. And so it's, like, it's interesting to see how Stadia has kind of developed or some people might think has not developed, you know, over the last three years-ish. I just want to point out that Mark Dell in our live stream chat has saying Stadia fan base, both of them. <laughs> yeah, that is like a constant meme about Stadia because... You know, at least Xbox has that built-in user base, whereas, like, you know, Stadia has to attract a new people who are, like, not necessarily gamers, and so that can be a hard sell sometimes. Um, and another thing that I saw making the rounds this weekend, or, or these few days, right, people are very concerned about the state of HBO Max, and also... Uh, a film that may have been canceled, that was canceled, it seems like, right? Sam, tell me about Batgirl, first of all, because I have not been paying attention to the news. I just know it got canceled. So Batgirl was and is a movie that got made. And as far as the reports go, it is completely finished. However, uh, it was originally supposed to launch on HBO Max uh, streaming. And now it's just gone completely. It's been axed. It won't be coming out uh, as far as, you know, what Discovery has been saying so far which is just really kind of weird because the movie is done. Mm -hmm. Just put it out. Yeah. Like, and this, you know, this was supposed to be like, you know, sort of like a big tentpole release for the DC, you know, expanded universe. Um, Michael Keaton is in the movie reprising his role as like the original Batman. Um, uh, Brendan Fraser is in it. Who is like, has been making a comeback as of late. And, um, and, but I guess the movie's just done. 
And so the, the really interesting thing is like the movie didn't get axed because it was bad or because like people thought it was going to like, you know, play poorly to the audience. Apparently, it seems like Discovery, um, who is now kind of in control of HBO Max and obviously Discovery Plus, they are kind of focusing on movies that can have big blockbuster appeals. Um, and, and because Batgirl, uh, Batgirl was going to be a streaming uh, movie on HBO Max, it didn't fit in like their quote unquote like game plan, which is just like really weird because you know the movie reportedly cost about ninety to one hundred million to make, and that's sunk cost. Like yeah, just you're not getting that money back regardless of whether you release it or not. So you might as well let people see the content. Yep. Um, or I guess not in this case. This is shady as all hell. And I would just say that, like, I don't believe that this is, like, a done deal. I don't believe that we're never going to see Batgirl ever. I feel like there's going to be a fan movement again. Like, the yeah, Snyder it's, Cut it's thing. Like, please, someone in, like, HBO Max or Discovery, just leak it. Don't, like, <laughs> send, send me a DM. Tell me where to get it. And then, like, you know, we'll, we'll let, let, the, let, the, let the people see it, even if it's not on the service. But, like... Come on, like this is the, the movie's done. Just put it out. Hashtag hashtag engadget leaks. Hashtag uh, yeah. the Batgirl cut. T- tips at engadget.com. <laughs> if you if you are on the HBO Max team and you have this file, please send it to us. Well, I, I will upload my signal and my uh, Google Drive account so you can directly upload it or we transfer it to us. Thank you. We will we will just release it for you. Um, but speaking of HBO Max too, right? Like the merger is causing all kinds of anxiety. I know I'm anxious because I. I don't know what's going to happen. I have HBO Max right now through, I guess, my cable provider. And um, what's what's happening? What, what do I, will I still have? Yeah, and so th- this this is like where people are starting to panic because you know HBO is like one of the most like you know beloved you know streamers, the TV development houses. Yeah, and so now they're like in a place where um, they're saying that they're going to combine HBO Max and Discovery Plus somehow in the future. They haven't exactly said how. Um, some people speculate like they might just be like, you know, the libraries will be available on both services or possibly, and this is, you know, no one knows for sure, like, would they just roll everything from Discovery Plus into HBO Max or even weirder, would they kill HBO Max and just go full Discovery Plus? I really think that would be a terrible idea, but it also means that like, you know, similar to Batgirl being axed, Discovery is now going through the process of like looking at their current roster of shows and stuff in development. And some, some of those shows are starting to get axed too. And so it's like, people is like, you know, is my show going to go away? You know, like, like John Oliver is, uh, you know, that show is doing great. So that's not in, in trouble, but like some, some more like niche stuff, like even stuff like Barry, like people are wondering, like, you know, are they going to get rid of Barry? Um, Oh, right. So, It's it's unclear what the future of HBO Max is, and that's like really sad because they were one of the, like the longest running like you know HBO Max shows. Maybe it's not your taste, but like they're generally pretty high quality. Yeah, I like them. I like them a lot, and I'm hoping that of all the things that you you've you know described as possible outcomes, I want the one where they just bundle in Discovery shows into the existing HBO platform. Um, yeah, maybe they had to kill some shows that aren't doing as well that I don't really care about, but. I don't have Discovery Plus. Uh, I don't think I'll be forced to pay a different fee to access the shows that I already had access to. Um, so I don't. I'm not too worried about that. I'm more like, give me more. Because remember, like I think Sam, you're the one that was like, oh, you you're on Discovery Plus because of the HGTV or something. Is that is that yeah. the one? Okay, yeah. I kind of want Discovery Plus. Uh, Julio, our live stream producer, is saying that people are sleeping on Discovery Plus because it's a really good streaming service. I I started off with like a subscription to this discovery plus with ads. And like after a week, I'm like, Oh no, I'm, I need to upgrade. So, cause I don't want ads. Cause I've been watching this, this <laughs> junk way too much. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, like I have like a very like weak or soft spot for like, like home design <laughs> yes, shows, like, uh, like the brother, like the property brothers and stuff like that. So like, obviously this is kind of like up my alley. <laughs> Julio's saying, saying HBO Max is low key whack. Kind of rhymes, and like <laughs> he, like he's not wrong because like the whole like Crunchyroll like anime integration, like that was kind of rocky. And then like you know some of the like for a long time like the service was like very unstable. It still sometimes is, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and so it's like it's just like a lot. There's so much stuff up in the air. Yeah, and then they- and then other people are point. Sorry, oh, sorry. Was, yeah. Other people are pointing to like, oh, wait, 
they they killed Batgirl, but they didn't kill the Flash movie, even though like Ezra Mil- Ezra Miller has been like in caught up in like tons of scandals and stuff like that. And it's like, but you know, if you look back to like you know what people are saying, you know, uh, the Flash movie is uh, supposed to be a big blockbuster hit, so that actually falls in lines with Discovery's uh, strategy. Versus like, you know, Batgirl on streaming on HBO Max didn't necessarily, but it's just like a weird distinction to make. I, I think we'll have to keep an eye on what's going to happen here in this in this biz. Um, but I, I'm sure we're all concerned and justifiably so, but maybe it'll mean good things, right? Change doesn't always have to be bad. Hey, life lesson for everybody. Embrace change. Therapy time. Um, but the one thing I also want to point out is that this week it looked like six movies uh, did get taken down from HBO Max, including something like Moonshot. Uh, six movies that I wasn't paying attention to. I was just like, oh my gosh, is anything I care about gone? Uh, nothing I care about. Super Intelligence is gone. I think it was what House Party, a reboot of House Party is also gone. And there was a vinyl, a series called Vinyl that is gone. Um, who knows? Who knows what's happening now to those shows? Whether they'll come back or not? Maybe it's like a routine. oh the the, the, the one I think a Scooby Doo movie got canceled oh. too. I know for for anyone who has fondness for talking dogs, um, that's kind of sad. I just wanted to really quickly shout out two other pieces of news that I I just thought were ridiculous. First of all, Pearson wants to mint NFTs now. Like Pearson wants to turn some of his textbooks into NFTs. Uh, cool. Not like your textbooks weren't expensive enough already, but you yeah, know, there you go. That, that that like that's just like combining two things that people are already annoyed about and making it just even worse. Because like, oh, are you gonna are, are you gonna lower the prices of your textbook? Uh, probably not. So it's like, what is this actually helping for people who are buying the textbooks? And then the last thing uh, that was like the most fun headline I feel like we we had this week was uh, Winamp, the music players that your parents love, <laughs> is back. Uh, well, hold on, I I like Winamp. I used to use Winamp. Uh, Winamp is not that old. <laughs> and you are a parent now, but your kid's not reading Engadget, is okay, he? Okay, fine, sure, okay. But your kid's not reading Engadget. Your kid's one year old or maybe less. It's just so funny to me. I saw that and I saw the tweet replies. Um, <laughs> In to the tweet uh, from the Engadget account and I was going through and liking all of them. Everyone was being really shady and they were like, "You, this headline chose violence. This headline... <laughs> I was like, yes. Um, but you know, I think this week was a fun week for the Engadget team in terms of headlines and, and strange news. Uh, if you have any alternate headline ideas, you can always feel free to send them over to podcast at Engadget.com. Keep them PG-13 though. All right, let's move on to what we've been working on. Sam, I know you're just doing just knee deep or neck deep in testing. What do you what do you got going on? Yep, uh, I am still testing Power Bricks. Um, I got MSI's uh, 15 inch gaming uh, machine, the Stealth 15M, in for review. Uh, that might not be that might be like a couple weeks out, but we'll see. Um, it's obviously a very busy season because Sherlyn uh, and I'm I'm doing this too, but we're both kind of in uh, knee deep in preparation for Samsung Unpacked. Yes, that is what I've been working on. Lots of Samsung prep, um, and we are me and Sam are co-hosting a live stream happening on the day of Unpacked. We'll start about 30 minutes before Samsung goes live at about 9 a.m. Eastern, which means you can come on over to the Engadget YouTube channel at about 8:30 or 8:40 a.m. Eastern, which is ass early in the morning for me but there we go uh and we will have fun do a pre-show maybe a pre-game um and then you know let samsung do its thing and then stick around to talk about what they've announced for a little bit after that too so it should be a good time um if you're a foldable fan at all or just you like gadgets come join us it'll be fun now when we're not talking about work uh we did talk a lot about shows that we were like nervous about getting taken away but sam what have you been watching so I, I finished Stranger Things, um, finally, after, like, getting through those, like, mini movie per episode uh, scenario where it's, like, each movie is, like, an hour and a half or two and a half hours for the last episode. Um, I watched the first episode of The Old Man, and I think that show is really good. What's um, that about? It's, it's about uh, a guy who used to be some in, like, a spy or, like, in the military or something, and now I've only watched the first episode – and now it seems like his past is coming back to get him. It's kind of in like the Taken vein where it's like, oh. or like the John Wick vein for where like you have someone who had like had gotten out of the game and then now is being pulled back in. Um, but it's got Jeff Bridges as the main person and Jeff Bridges is like an incredible actor. And so I, I think it's really interesting uh, like 
if you look at like the TV landscape, you have a lot of big movie stars who are now going back to TV or for the first time going to TV and then doing like, you know, episodic stuff. And it's really interesting to see how that is like, you know, kind of combining a lot of like the things that people love about movies, but then bringing it to a small screen that, you know, plays out over, you know, multiple episodes. And so far it's been really, really good. And then um, I'm also, you know, still plowing my way through the season four of Umbrella Academy, which is great. Um, I have some issues with this season, but I know, Sherlyn, you're watching that too. So I don't want to do any spoilers. Uh, we've been talking. I, th- I may have even mentioned it on the show before, but I was going to just piggyback on your pick and make that be my pick this week too. Yeah, Umbrella, uh, Umbrella Academy season four uh, featuring Elliot Page. Um, I think I, I, I'm, this is sounding familiar to me. I just enjoyed how they handle the, 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 the narrative around, uh, Elliot Page's character identifying as trans. It it didn't feel forced. It felt like, like part of like that character story, which also, you know, even though it's not necessarily like, you know, obviously the character and the actor are not the same person, but it was really interesting to see them kind of tie these things together in a way that it's like, you know, you really felt like it was natural and, you know, and they like gave it the right weight yeah. that um, I think that whole situation deserves. Yeah, and and I know that Elliot Page was very happy about it, and I, I saw the interviews he did with um, a lot of late night show talk hosts, and yeah, he he had input right, like on on how he wanted this story addressed too. I think they just worked together to create a very comfortable environment for for the show to just take this on um and it's an important story that needs to be told i think that you can look at the reactions from the other characters uh reacting to the the news of uh the transition there i forget the character's name is why it's like it's so difficult to talk about this i'm <laughs> just like what was what was elliot page's character's name in the show again like well, vanya but then victor right and then, then victor right yeah so so victor's transition story i think was handled well i think it's nice to see how a lot of different reactions were yeah. had and I, and I thought it was really cool in the show how when the character introduced like oh this is my new name now all of the siblings were just like oh cool like yeah you're you're you know you're still our sibling we still love yeah. you um and you know, we, we, you know, this is, we, we accept this, you know, what this means to you. Yes. So anyway, if, if I, I just think it was a good watch. I think the story was also good. I, I, I have seen all of it, but I need to like rewatch it because like I fell asleep through some of it and that's not the show's fault. <laughs> it's just me on my couch. Really. Yeah. And, and if you, if you fall asleep for one, for one episode, you you're going to be completely lost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Sam, do you have one more recommendation for people or? I do. So if anyone's looking for a game to play, um, I've been playing Shotgun King, which is a, kind of like a rogue light chess game, except that you don't actually, it has a lot of the, the chess rules, but you actually play as the king piece and the king has a shotgun, but the people you're playing against have to do normal chess moves. So this is like the greatest game for people who like me, who like appreciate chess, but know that they're not any good because now I get to like, try to strategize but then i have the ultimate like secret weapon which is a shotgun and it's just like it's so much fun uh it's it's like super cheap it's like less than ten dollars it might be even on sale on steam right now um but it's just like it's such a great like game that like you you feel it makes you feel smarter than you are because (gasps) like oh it's like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna like fork this knight over here and then i'm gonna blast him and then it's like, then you have all these like pawns coming in waves at you, but like they can't touch you because they're pawns and you have a shotgun. And so it's just like, uh, it's a great game. Um, it's like a, such a neat, like cute twist on just traditional chess. And, you know, because a game takes like 30 minutes, you know, you can play a game in between stuff and it's not like you have to sit down and like, you know, prepare yourself like The Last of Us where like, you know, you have to like clear your schedule because you want to play this for two hours at a time or three hours at a time. Um yeah, I, I've just been having a lot of fun, um, and it's just kind of it's kind of right up my alley. But if you like chess plus, I guess this is like this, this is the game for you. <laughs> is it on Steam only, or is like what platforms? It's PC, and I can't remember the other platforms, but I, I know it's on PC um, and definitely on Steam. Okay, because I might I might, I might get on my Switch and, and try it out because yeah, do I and, need and, to? and the graphics are insane, so it'll run on anything. Like you know, you don't need to have a gaming PC. It's like you know, it's a two D game. Um, it has kind of like a retro pixelated style. Um, so it's yeah, it it'll run on anything. And so it's a great like travel game if you're like on a business trip and you don't have your like gaming PC with you. All right, I'll have to check it out. 
Well, that's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Sam online at... At Sam Rutherford on Twitter. If you want to send me funny headlines to stories that actually do exist, I'm at Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter. Email us your thoughts at podcastandengadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts. 